it's a little bit grieved for what, Victoria back on online, but we get together and let's not forsake these awesome moments it is to be together. Um, if you're new to One Heart Church, Pastor Rob just introduced me. I'm Rob. I have the opportunity to lead the youth ministry here and it's fantastic. So if you're a youth, um, what did I say wrong? Oh, no, I'm not Rob. I am Josh. Yeah, very, oh man, mamma mia, mamma mia. I'm Josh. We lead youth, which is 5 to 7 p.m. on a Sunday night, so I can't wait for that tonight. That's going to be good fun again. Thank you for keeping me honest, Arthur and Sue. It's good to see Arthur and Sue in church as well. Good to see Rose in church. So many good people, um, so many good people here. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Luke 15, verse 7, New Living Translation says, There is more joy in heaven over one, everybody say one. Over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Mm, Translation, there's more of a party in heaven when people come to know Jesus than it is this this happening right now. There's There's no party in heaven with this. There's a party when we see one person so you know what, I actually want to be in on this. And so Pastor Rob has declared at the start of the year that we want to have a theme for 2021 for One Heart Church that we exist for the one. We exist to see the one. We exist to bring heaven parties to happen. We want to see celebrations in heaven, and that is the purpose of the church. That is the purpose of a disciple, collectively and individually. We want to see one person at a time, people getting saved, so that we plunder hell and populate heaven. And that's what we're here to do. And so uh, I've got a title for you guys on One Up taking notes. Good job, Seth, hey? It is, for the one, with a subtitle, The Profile of a Disciple. So we wanna, we're going to be focusing on that subject again, for the one, and we're going to look at the profile of a disciple. So we're going to look at my main text is Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, I'm going to read it verse 1 to 19 in the Amplified Bible. And so for those like Kyle with their acoustic translations, it'll be similar but a little bit different. But um, So Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19, Amplified. It says, it, depending on what Bible you have, the subtitle might be something like this, the conversion of Saul, or Saul is converted. And so uh, you, if you've been familiar with churches before, you might have heard a guy called Paul. Well, Saul and Paul are the same person. And, they've, and so the, way, the best way to, just, to explain this a bit, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, I am all things to all people. So to the Jews, I'm Jew, and to, them, to the Gentiles, I'm a Roman. So because that, and based, that's my sub-paraphrase. So, so Saul is a Jewish name. Paul is a Roman name. So to the Jews, Saul is Saul. To the Romans or the Gentiles, Saul is Paul. So if I say Paul, it's just because that's what I'm used to, but it's the same person. In a similar way, if I go to Japan, we all know, know where Japan is. They don't say, I'm from Japan. They, it's from Nihon, because that's a different language. If I go to Germany, they don't say, this is Germany. It's Deutschland. And in a similar way, it's different languages for different people. So to the Jews, Saul is Saul. To the Romans, Saul is Paul. All right? So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense for you. So starting verse 9, Uh, Verse 1, chapter 9. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and relentless in his search for the believers. Pastor Rob last week spoke about believers. We've got to believe in something. We're not, a believer isn't just a person who goes, oh, well, I have this faith. No, a believer actually believes we can see miracles. We believe that we can see God do something in our life. And so 
Paul is searching for believers that can believe in something, believe for something. And so he went to the high priest and he asked for letters of authority from him to the synagogue at Damascus. So that if he found any men or women there belonging to the way, believers, follow it, uh, believers followers of Jesus the Messiah. Now, another, I love this terminology, the way. So the, that's what they, these believers didn't, all these disciples didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves a part of the way. And what was the way? It was the way of the gospel. And they were saying, we show, we show you the way to be saved. We lead you to the way to make your life right with God. So that's what this whole movement was about. We exist to see the one get saved. We exist to show you and point you to the way to be saved, which is the Messiah, to the way of salvation, which is Jesus. So this is what the... And Paul's trying to shut this thing down. So, uh, and then another thing... So then, yeah, uh, men and women alike... And he could arrest them and uh, bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. So another, just another thing. So Jerusalem, say here, and then Damascus is up here, a four to six day journey away. And so for some of you working comfortably, six days. For those of you that like a challenge, you get there in four. So that's where, so Damascus is north of Jerusalem. And so that's where Paul is on his way to, or Saul is on his way to. So verse three. As he traveled, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, displaying the glory and majesty of Christ. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice from heaven saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting and oppressing me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will uh, be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him were terrified and stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, but, uh, but though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was unable to see for three days, and he neither ate nor drank. Mm, Paul was clearly not a comfort eater. Didn't eat for three days. Okay, verse 10, this is where it gets good. Verse 10. Now in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Can everybody say Ananias? Ananias. There was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying there. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, especially how much suffering and evil he has brought on your saints, God's people, at Jerusalem. And here in Damascus, he has the authority from the high priest to put chains on all who call on your name, confessing you as saviour. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is a deliberately chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will make clear to him how much he must suffer and endure for my name's sake. So Ananias left and entered the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came to Damascus, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to proclaim uh, to both Jews and Gentiles 
proclaimed Christ, sorry, to the both Jews and Gentiles, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized and he took some food and was strengthened. Fantastic. Can we just bow our heads, maybe close our eyes, get in a position to receive from God right now? I'm going to pray. God, we thank you that you're in this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us, move in our hearts, move in our minds. May we be realigned to what matters to you. God, we don't want to be caught up with things that don't matter, things that are of no uh, eternal importance. But God, we want to keep the main thing the main thing. May we leave this place refreshed. May we leave this place sharpened. May we leave this place so clearly hearing your voice that our our lives and the, the lives of those around us would be eternally impacted. And we all in agreement said, amen, we agree. So point one, one up for you taking notes, point one, calling over comfort. Calling over comfort. So it's very interesting there. Verse 10, it says, now in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. If you're taking notes, I want you to put on your page. In Port Lincoln, there was a disciple named Taco Bell. In Port Lincoln, there was a disciple named Lyle. In Port Lincoln... There was a disciple named Jack. Can you point, poke the person beside you, COVID safe, and say there's a disciple and name them in Port Lincoln for me? Named Tamika, named Alyssa. I believe in One Heart Church right now, we have disciples with your name on it that are in this city for a purpose by God, not just by mistake. So we see Ananias, he has a vision from God. And similar to me being on the phone, hello, God, is Ananias there speaking? Ananias has his vision, speaking to God, and then and he's like, yep, this is Ananias. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, how do I block the call? Wrong, I think you got the wrong number. Wrong Ananias, Jesus. I do not, I do not agree. I do, I, so Ananias is in this position. Here's from God. Here I am. Oh, yep, I'm available. Then he gets the finer details. It's like, uh, uh, I don't think so. Ananias had genuine fear. He had, he had legitimate insecurities going, I know what this dude Paul does. I know what this dude Saul does. He hasn't got my best interest at hand. He hasn't got my best, uh, my best wishes in ahead. He wants to kill me if he has a choice. He wants me to be imprisoned. He doesn't want me to do what a disciple does. And so Ananias has this... Uh, moment of arguing, I guess, self-challenge. He goes, mm, this isn't necessarily what I want to do. But he had to, Ananias had to make a choice and go, well, God's called me to do this. I've got to choose faith over feelings. I've got to choose conviction over convenience. And I've got to choose calling over comfort. And as disciples of Jesus, we got to, we're going to come up with the same things in life. When Jesus speaks to us, it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be easy or convenient. It's not always going to be what, we, what feels good or feels right. But we've got to have, have a backbone and say, well, if this is what God's calling us to do, we're going to step into it. And in, in this situation, Jesus had to reaffirm to Ananias, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. We exist as believers, as disciples, to make more disciples. It's not about what's easy for you. It's not about what's comfortable. It's about making more disciples. And so we've got to understand just because we're fulfilling the Great Commission does not, is not synonymous with an easy ride, an easy way forward. It's going to cost you something. 
And what's awesome with this whole Paul situation, this Saul-Paul conversion is, I, would, I like to call it a, Ananias a domino disciple. Who loves dominoes? Watch it on your YouTube or on your, your Netflix store, not Netflix, sorry, your Instagram stories. It's like, you know what I mean? It starts one and it has these beautiful pictures, start room to room. It's like, I'd love to know how long it actually takes the, the process that, like, of building these constructions for the 30 seconds to a minute video of awesomeness. But that domino picture artwork doesn't happen until the first domino is moved. And in a way, we see so much awesome stuff that happens with the life of Paul, that back end of the New Testament, all written by Paul. There's so many famous Bibleists from Paul, those Christians here that might have their mugs. You might have some like famous scriptures on there. We walk by faith, not by sight. Um, Great is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. There's so many awesome scriptures that we have on coffee mugs, all from Paul. Um, but without Ananias, there's no coffee mug with the inspirational scripture. Ananias was a domino that saw the thing take place. And um, uh, the, another one I love about, another famous scripture from Paul. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. But again, without Ananias, there is no Paul. And I want to say to you, you have a one. Ananias had a one, his name was Saul. We have a one, I don't know his name. Dr. Jansen has a one, I don't know their name. But I believe there could be a domino effect in Jansen's life where a mighty move of God, but it took Ananias, it took me, it took you, taking, reaching your one that Paul or Saul can reach the domino effect that that has on the kingdom of God. And so I want to I wanna say this, that no one is too far gone. Paul later in his life says in Romans 5.20, in the New King James Version, but where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And I love that. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Basically means that no one is too far from God. No one is too far gone. It's not our job to disqualify people. Earlier in the year, um, it could have been a month ago, I get a little bit confused. That's why I do my diary. But I'm doing my devotion. I get to Mark chapter 6. I must have been something sitting like this, doing my, my time, seeking God. And it says in Mark chapter 6, Jesus rejected at Nazareth. And for those out of us that um, know about Jesus, he, he's, um, that is where he grew up. That's where he, where he comes from. And we read everywhere else about Jesus. He goes, miracles take place. He's anointed by God to see people, demons cast out of people, to see healings take place. And it says that, um, uh, and because of their unbelief, he, could do, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. And you read, you read the few verses before that. It's very interesting. And so in my, 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 my journaling time that morning, I, I just had this thing come to me. The people in his hometown were more concerned about gossiping about Jesus than seeing the gold in Jesus. Jesus could have healed many sick people, could have um, seen demons cast out of out of many people, but they were too concerned about gossiping about, oh, um, we know this Jesus. We know, we know his brothers. We know his sisters. We know he, he's a carpenter. They were too concerned about gossiping than seeing the gold. And in the same thing for us, we just, Ananias didn't get caught up about the gospel going, I'm not going to do this. It's not comfortable. It's not what I want to do. But he had to press in and go, you know what? Well, I'm actually going to see the gold. If God sees gold in, in Saul, 
I'm going to see golden Saul, and I'm going to see him do what I'm going to do what I can do to see him do what he can do. And we've got to live a life unlike the the people in Jesus' hometown, where we where we get concerned by the gossip and not see the gold. We want to be people that see the gold and see people in our lives get saved and do something mighty and awesome for God. And the other thing I loved about Saul, he had some get up and go about him. He was a religious, like uh, had some great zeal. For God, because he goes, you know what, God, I love my Jewish faith. I love this thing. And these Christians, these, the way, these disciples of Jesus are mucking everything up. It's my job to stamp this nonsense out. He had great zeal, great hunger for God. And, he, 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 and then God's like, well, you know what, your, your priorities are a little bit misaligned, Saul. God gets a hold of him and goes, you know what, I'm going to use your get up and go. I'm going to use your enthusiasm and actually put that where it needs to be, building the kingdom of God in a real way. And I want to tell, tell us one heart, church, um, there's people where we might go, this person's too far gone, this person's so bad. But I believe there's special things on their life that God can use. And some of the things that we might go, that is a very thing that affects a church, can be the very things that God's placed in them to build the church. And I want to encourage us, let's be Pauls that have, have get up and go about us that God, when God gets behind that, he can actually use that to do a great impact in our world. And so Ananias chose faith over feelings, conviction over convenience, and calling over comfort. And in a way, I can really relate to Ananias. I've had this these issues in my own life. And so I moved to Port Lincoln in, I believe it was uh, 2009, December 2009. And I absolutely hated the move here. I, I literally thought God wrecked my life. I thought, now, yes, it's a beautiful scenery, but I thought, God, you've wrecked my life. What, what, what is this? And so um, at the end, so I'm in year nine at school. I've recently finished year nine. It's December 2010. And we had a guy called Pastor David Hall come to preach. We just had him, uh, was it last Thursday or the Thursday before at our wake night? And at the end of the service, I think I was around here somewhere, he says, Josh, stand up, I want to pray for you. And this is what he prophesies over my life. And what I love about this as well is David Hall wouldn't go around saying, I'm a prophet. It's not his, say, spiritual gift, but this thing was just so on point for my life. And he says, "Um, it's not been the easiest thing in the world, me moving to Port Lincoln, but God has brought you here for a purpose, for a plan. It's not even about your dad. It's about the call of God on your life, the anointing of God on your life. This is part of the plan of God, part of God doing something in you, enlarging your capacity, enlarging who you are. You are, you are a leader. Basically, that's the crux of it. So he's prophesied this over my life, and a massive shift took place. But what I said there, it's not even about your dad. Now, for me, I knew the miracle it was for my dad to come here. When he was 40 years old, he thought the opportunity that I have to become a senior pastor to lead a church, that's passed me, my, passing by. I'm 40. If I'm not a senior pastor now... It's never going to happen. He thought that the, it, was, it was done. But miracles took place, and he became the pastor here in Port Lincoln. And I go, I knew, and there's many other miracles in that situation that I knew the backstory, and I've got, wow. And but then, so mum and dad tell us, we're moving to Port Lincoln, and I would let them have it. How dare you? You're wrecking my life. Um, you don't care about me. If you care about me, why are we moving? Or I, they, and then one day, I finally admitted defeat, and I was like, well, if, if this is a call of God on your life, what am I, some year eight, 
idiot kid, to stand in the way of the call of God in your life. And so I thought, I'm moving to Port Lincoln because it's what God wants for them. And then I get this prophecy a year later telling me, no, 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 God did all those miracles in your parents' life to get you where I needed you, Josh. Mind blow. So I wasn't here, this is what I wanted. And so then we moved to Port Lincoln and my sisters loved it. The beach, swimming, they, like Mariah would have her friends tell her, you know what, you've got to get spare bathers in the car with towers that after school, if it's a beautiful day for the beach, straight down you go. Uh, another thing, fault, talk about false promises. We were told when we moved here, you'll never have to catch a school bus again. <laughs> have a guess who caught school buses. So I know, I know, God wrecked my life big time, I know. But then, yeah, so going to the beach, I'm thinking, my sisters loved it. That was like the best thing. They, get to, they live near the beach. Woo! And I'm like, I hate the beach. Sand, chafing, seaweed. You know what I mean? Who wants, who like, oh, yuck. No, and so everything about the move to Port Lincoln, was horrible. I just won a grand final in my football team the year before I moved here. I moved here, round one, we won a game. Not bad. After that, not one win. And it was like, so it's like, um, my youth ministry that I was a part of was bigger than the church I came to. The youth ministry that I was a part of had better music, better preaching, Everything was better. And so I'm like, God, the church I come to is smaller than the, the youth ministry. I was, like, I was just like, God, everything about my life had been shifted, broken. I thought, God, my life sucks. Why are you wrecking my life? And so I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm not in the best headspace when it comes to life, right? And so I would picture, so I remember, in particular, at this the first house that we lived in when we moved to Port Lincoln, picture them because we were sort of half, half, we weren't, that wasn't our end house. It was a halfway house. So I had a mattress, picture of a mattress with a swag laid out on the top. And then who remembers CDs? Like a round disc, play music, put it in a special player. I use a phone now, but in the day I had a, a CD player. So there's a mattress, swag on top, and I'm, this was my, my nightly routine. Good night, Mum and Dad. Going into bed. Oh, oh uh, can you give me that photo? Sorry, Ethan. Here we go. Planet Shakers 1. This album, this album got me through 2010. Honestly, it did. This album got me through 2010. And so I'm laying in bed. God, why? Why have you wrecked my life? My football team sucks. My church is horrible. Why have you put me here? And I'd play this album. And I'm, I'm literally crying myself to sleep every night, just going, God, why have you wrecked my life? But all, I, but all you are, Lord, is all I want. And I'm just crying myself to sleep, God, why have you wrecked my life? Why? But now, it, it's quite humorous to me that, give it 10 years, what's our church's name? One Heart Church. What's the youth ministry I run called? One Youth. I'm crying myself to sleep saying, God, why have you wrecked my life? Why have you brought me here? And I'm listening to this album prophesying over me, one. And, I, and I, I just go, what? But you know what? I didn't want to be here. It wasn't my convenience. It wasn't my comfort. It wasn't my, what my feelings wanted. But it's where God needed me. And so like Ananias, I had to choose to say, you know what? I'm actually living by calling, not my comfort. And then um, another thing I find a bit humorous as well, all my sisters loved it here. Who's the only sibling left in Port Lincoln? <laughs> me. But why? Because I chose calling over comfort. I chose conviction over convenience, and I chose faith over feelings. I've had many an option to go to other church, um, other churches around the place, and, and I, I remember the first invite I got to another church, I was like, 
ka-ching, let's, I'm getting out of here. And so in my, de- my devotion times, I'm praying to God, seeking God, going, God, um, open up the right doors, close the wrong ones, get me to Adelaide, out, out of Port Lincoln, here we go. I open up my Bible, John 12, 27, God lovingly hit me between the eyes and says, Josh, your time is not yet to go, you're still cool for Port Lincoln. And it's just crazy, the, the testimonies with that, that next Sunday, I wanted to do Bible college. We opportunity to start doing Bible college here arose, but I chose conviction over convenience, calling over comfort, faith over feelings, and decide to stay. And now I like it, Port Lincoln. But you know what? Like Ananias, there's going to come moments where it's not convenient, it's not ideal, but we're going to choose. We choose God's plan for our life, not what is convenient for us. So, review to review point one. The profile of a disciple is we're committed to reach the one despite the cost. And when God speaks, we're comfortable with uncomfortable. Point two, we're cracking through it. Visions. So last week was Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the birth of the church. Well, Pastor Rob did. It was fantastic. And we looked at Acts chapter two, where the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes. And then we continue on in Peter's preaching because there's all these people going... This doesn't seem right. These people are filled with the Spirit, but they look like they're drunk. And Peter says, you know what? No, no, no. This isn't actually people being drunk. They're actually fulfilling the prophecy in Joel chapter 2. And a segment of that prophecy is that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And we've got to understand here that prayer isn't a one-way conversation. Prayer isn't just me giving my request to God. God, I want that bigger house. God, heal, heal that person of their sickness. God, I want that faster car. Now that's all great, but that's not what prayer, that's a part of prayer. It's not the full picture of prayer. Prayer is when God comes and speaks back to us. And one way you can get that voice coming back to you is a thing called visions. Paul had a vision, or Saul, and Ananias had a vision. And a disciple when they pray, they will actually get visions for their life. And you've got to have, a, have a, um, a hunger and a desire, expectation in your life. Say, God, I, if I'm a disciple of you, I want visions. I want you to speak to me about my life. I want you to speak to me about my next steps. Because that's what a disciple does. So, point two review. The profile of disciple. Disciples will see visions, expect to hear from God. Point three. Can everyone wiggle their, think their twinkle hands, your hands are hands? Look at that, beautiful hands. If we can get Shalini, use your beautiful hands to um, go on the ivory for us on the keyboard. Thank you. So, look, yeah, your hands, very interesting. Nothing special about them. Maybe you got, you got your nails painted or something, but my hands, there's nothing really special about them. They're a little bit dodgied up from football injuries, nice fat knuckles, whatever. But your hands like a spiritual, supernatural Swiss Army knife. Now, I, don't, I, don't, I had a Swiss Army knife when I was a kid. They're multi, multi-function, multi-purpose. A screwdriver here, a little bit of a scissor piece over there, which I don't know what you'd ever use it for. But you know what I mean? A Swiss Army knife has all these functions. Your hand in the supernatural has many functions. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It does unique things for different times. Pastor Rob, when we had the dedication before, said, let's reach out our hands. That wasn't just a, a thing to do because we actually believe your hand carries supernatural power. It carries the anointing of God to do amazing things. And so what we saw with what we read in Acts 9, the first thing it said that you're going to, 
you're going to, Ananias, you're going to lay your hands on Saul and he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the one thing that your hand does is actually releases the Holy Spirit onto people, into people. What, 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul says to Timothy, um, stir up the gift that you receive with the laying on of hands. And so your hands can release the Holy Spirit to do, good to see James in church, played footy against him yesterday. They beat us. But James, your hands have the power to do the supernatural. Yep, I believe that. The next one it says um, is that your your hands do healings. Saul laid hand, oh, sorry, Ananias laid hands on Saul, and what looked like scales popped off his eyes, and he was healed. We believe with the laying on of hands, we can do what doctors can't do. Cancers can shrivel. We believe broken bones can be restored. Now I still believe, thank you for doctors, but I still believe in the supernatural power of God, and that comes by the laying on of hands. Hebrews uh, chapter ten twenty five says, "Do not forsake the gathering together." Pastor Rob addressed this last week as well. When the, this, what's special about the coming together is the laying on of hands. When you're watching church through a video screen, yeah, it's a great worship service, but you don't have the capacity of someone to lay hands on you to see healings take place, to see the Holy Spirit release. And that's what's so awesome and amazing about coming together that we can see the supernatural through our hands released and touch people. Number th- So reviewing number three, the profile of a disciple is that your hands activate the supernatural power of God. And you, you got to, I want you to have an understanding that, you know what, this thing here isn't just to, to write with, to type with, to text with. This thing is, carries the power of God that I can see God do mighty things. It's a conduit to see God do stuff through your life. COVID wants to shut down hand con- contact. And I, 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 do, I do believe there's a spiritual connotation to that. No, no, no elbowing this. Because the enemy doesn't want the power of God to be released with a laying on of hands. All right. Point four, baptisms. Get dunked. We see a baptism tank behind me. But the, the, I, I loved it that, so Ananias lays hands on, on Paul. He receives the Holy Spirit. He get, gets healed. And then because of the ministry or Saul received from Ananias, he goes, you know what? I want to get baptized. And he gets baptized. And I believe for the ones in your life, when you do your ministry in their life, that should result in people getting baptized. When you reach the one, you may lay hands on them. You may just be there for when they need it. But I believe when we are effective with our ministry, it's not what Pastor Rob does, Pastor Kylie does. It's about your life. When you actively reach into someone's life and speak, Bring the gospel to them. I believe that will reflect in them saying, you know what? I want to be baptized. I want to commit my life to the way. I want to commit my, commit my life to following Jesus. And so to review, so people who receive the ministry that we bring will get baptized. Cool. So our final review, point one, calling over comfort. We've got to commit to reach the one despite the cost. When God speaks, be comfortable with uncomfortable. Point two, visions. Disciples will see visions. Expect to hear from God. Number three, hands. Our hands activate the supernatural power of God. And so, and we believe for healings and we believe for the Holy Spirit to be released with our hands. And finally, four, disciples will see others getting baptized. And so One Heart Church, I really want us to get a hold of that. If we, When we reach the one, 
We're going to see baptisms. I, I, I believe for a day in our church, we're on a monthly basis, we're having baptism services because we're seeing the one by one being reached and we're seeing the ministry take place where people go, you know what? I'm in. Yep, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm dying to my old life. I'm rising again and new and I'm going to access the salvation that Jesus can bring. Can we pray as a church right now? Why don't you close your, close your eyes? Maybe if you, if you, I encourage you to raise your hands to heaven right now in a way to receive from God. But God, right now, we thank you for the authority that you've given us. You didn't just die on the cross to deal with our sin, but you died on the cross to give us power to be effective witnesses. God, just like you could use and transform a soul, God, you can use and transform the brokenness in us. But God, even with that, God, we thank you that where sin abounds in our life, your grace much more abounds. And God, we thank you for the testimonies and the stories that you're going to be bringing and pouring forth from our life. God, just like you use an Ananias to reach a soul, God, I believe you can use us to reach the souls in our generation, the souls in our schools, the souls in our workplaces, those that are most violently reject the gospel, reject the church. God, I believe that you can use us to make inroads into their life, that we would see mighty um, uh, church shifting dominoes take place where we see beautiful stories and testimonies of the power of God at work. God, we pray for our hands right now. God, we we want to, we understand and come into agreement that these are the, uh, the, the tools of the supernatural. God, that we can see people being healed when we lay hands. God, when we have services and when we pray in church, God, may, may we see miracles take place with the laying on of our hands. God, may we release the Holy Spirit destiny into people's lives by the laying on of hands. And God, we thank you that the, the ministry that we have when we walk through these doors and leave today, that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, God, that we can live a life where we are outworking ministry that those in our lives would go, we need to be baptized. We need Jesus. We're following the way. Amen. 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 And in closing, I've just been talking about those in our lives that may want to be baptized. But there might be people in this place right now that you have not made a decision to say, I want to follow Jesus. You may be on the edge. You may may be uh, uh, just discovering these things about church, about Jesus. But I believe today could be the day where you make your first decision to make a response to Jesus, where you go, I want to take my first step. I want to I want to move from hearing about Jesus to go you know, I want to start following Jesus. I want to start take the first steps to be a disciple of Jesus where I could actually use my hands to do the supernatural. Where I can actually live a life on purpose where I don't just pray but I hear God speak to me through visions. And so if that's you in this place, we're going to see a prayer come up on the screen. And if you pray this prayer for the first time, I believe that's the first step in making a response to Jesus to start the life of being a disciple of Jesus. And collectively as a church, we're going to pray this prayer together. But if you've prayed this prayer for the first time today and meant it in a real way, I would love for you to come to speak to me so I can help you, give you some resource to help you continue on this journey. So church, can we pray this together? Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we clap and celebrate heaven parties when people do that?